In Parshas Nitzavim, according to Samri Shonim, we have the mitzvah of tshuva, which amazingly falls out during this time period of Elul. How can we get into the proper frame of mind and really prepare and get excited about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur ahead? I'm Shaoli Karsh, and this is Karsh on the Parsha. Someone once came over to me and uh, asked me what it's like to be a yid. Oh no, wait, that's a, that's a song. Uh, but someone really did actually come over to me and he asked me a question. The question was, why is it that we blow the shofar at, sh- at Shachris? At the end of Shachris, right before we say Ladavid, we say Ladavid, so the Litvish minute is to say Ladavid at the end of Shachris and then to say it again at night after Marv, Svard, Nisuk Svard, and I think Svard might also do this, is that they say, um, they say Ledavid at the end of Shachras and Ledavid at the end of Mincha. So he, he was asking, for us, we were, we daven primarily in uh, Ashkenaz, Litvish, min, uh, Minyan. And so he was asking, why is it that we only blow the shofar? We say Ledavid in the morning, we say Ledavid at night. Why don't we blow the shofar also at night? So I thought about it for a little bit, and I came up with two answers. So I actually checked it up also, and in the beginning of Hilchas Rosh Hashanah, in the Shulchan Aruch and Ramah, the Ramah actually says that there are places, the Yesh Mekomos that are knowing to blow the shofar at night. So that idea, and that minhag is definitely out there, was out there in the past, and it's very possible that there are places that do that now. But he was asking for us, like, what could be the understanding for why we only blow the show for after Shabbos and not at night? So the first answer I thought it was more of like a practical answer, which is that it's probably just very disturbing. Like, imagine, I mean, especially if you live in Eretz Yisrael, every other building is a shul. It's like a shul, Judaica store, um, cheder, and then that just repeats itself over and over again. But you have um, every other building is like a shul, and so you can just imagine that if they would blow the shofar at night after Marv throughout the whole night, that it could be very disturbing, especially for families who have kids and there's already kids sleeping in the house from 6.30, 7 o'clock and on, that that could be, um, that could be very disturbing. And it could be in places where there are a lot of non-Jews that it could possibly create Ava, so we'd want to avoid that. That was more of a practical answer. And a deeper answer, I wanted to maybe suggest that what happens is that you wake up in the morning you get up, you got your coffee, go to chakras, finally at the end of davening, someone blows the chauffeur and they say, oh, you think you woke up? Nah, you're still sleeping. In uh, Parsha's Nitzavim, towards the end of the Parsha, actually at the very end of the Parsha, we have the mitzvah, according to some Rishonim, the mitzvah of tshuva. Rashi and others want to say it's talking about the mitzvah of Torah, the Pasig is in Perak Lamid, Pasig Yud Aleph. It says, Ki HaMitzvah Hazos, this mitzvah asher anochi mitzvah hayom, lo nifleisi mimcha, lo rechokihi, lo bashamayim hi lemor, miyale lono shamayim, da 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 da, etc. Keeps going on. So there are some people that want to say that that's talking about learning Torah, and the Svorno, and possibly others want to say it's talking about the mitzvah of Tshuva. It's just amazing how the Parshios now fit really well with the theme of, of the time period that we're in now in El. And El really is just an unbelievable time for us to just 
tap into the the uh, the ace ratzon. I I think I used to think like El was just like oh it's like habits to be it's a month before like Bainas Manim is over vacation's over and you know school is starting and yeshiva is starting and it's just a it just like happens to be a really nice time period where and it's right before Shoshana Yom Kippur so it's just a, like a nice little slot where it just seems appropriate to start doing tshuva and start preparing for Rosh Hashanah and Seder Tshuva and all that. But like, it actually is a lot deeper than that. It's really actually like after Klai Yisrael did the Chet Ego, Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai, went up to be on the mountain for 40 days, starting to get the, the, the Luchos Shneos, the second Luchos. He went up, starting Rosh Chodesh Elul, and came back with the, with the Luchos Shneos after dominating Tashem not to destroy Klai Yisrael and doing Tshuva, and Klai Yisrael was doing Tshuva, during that entire period. And then Moshe Rabbeinu comes down with the second Luchos on Yom Kippur. So it's not just like it happens to work out and be a nice time to prepare it. This is literally the Yemei Ratzon, the, the, like the days that are Mesugal for doing tshuva, for tapping into the Yamim and just tapping into the that Ace Ratzon. So I just wanted to talk um, a little bit, a little bit about just trying to get the, the right framework and then talk a little bit about the idea of Hashem being our father. There was uh, a clip that I watched a while ago. It was like a two-minute video. And the video is this judge, this woman, who is a judge in a courtroom, and she's and there's a guy who's sitting there, and he's about to be judged for whatever. I don't remember exactly what the, the crime was, um, but he's... Sitting there, and you could tell he just looks like an absolute low life. This guy looks like he hit rock bottom. I don't know. I'm just gonna make up what he did. Let's say he he robbed a liquor store or something, and he got busted. So this lady judge is like sitting up there, and she's like looking at these papers, and she's like, "Okay, John Stevenson is here. You're here for uh, attempted robbing of a liquor store," and she's like reading off whatever, and, and he's just sitting there, and you could tell he's just like obviously depressed or whatever. And then as she's reading off this thing, she like stops. She has like this, like, she's like, looks like she's thinking for a little bit. And then she says, she's like, John Stevenson, John Stevenson, I'm making up the name. And then she's like, wait a minute. Did we, did you go to this in this school? And he was like, yeah. And she was like, we were in the same elementary school. And then you just see him looking at her. And then a second later, he just starts bawling. He's literally crying his eyes out. He just had this like sobering moment where he like went back to his innocence and like in that moment he was like, how in the world did I get to where I am now? And it was just an unbelievable clip to see that. You just saw like it was just unbelievable. It was like we were in the same class and he just went back to his, his child self, his innocence and it was just such an amazing thing to see. And that's really us. We get so caught up in our day-to-day grind, our day-to-day life, and we're just so busy with all of our stuff, our lives, that a lot of times we just lose sight of what our goal really is and, and our relationship with Hashem and really having kavana and the mitzvos and, and really just trying to walk with Hashem, Shavisi Hashem, the Negdi Summit. And we just get so caught up in our lives and our jobs and our this. And we can even be learning and davening. And a lot of times we're not, thinking about Hashem. We're just doing it because that's what we're supposed to do. It's habitual. 
and we need to just stop. And that's really the shofar. The shofar is like the, the cry. It's really representing our, our own cry of, of us stopping <clears throat> and realizing how far we've come. But it's also a wake up and it's saying, just stop, stop, stop your life. Just stop for a second and just remember who you are. Remember what your real goals are. Remember what your focus is supposed to be. And a lot of times we, because we're just so caught up in our day-to-day, we end up doing things that we wish we never did. And we end up going on a downward spiral. And so when we stop and the chauffeur blows and it, and it's telling us to just stop and remember who we really are. So that was just a powerful uh, analogy for trying to tap into um, and try to really prepare for these days. So I wanted to talk about Hashem being our father. Now, how do I know that Hashem is our father? I mean, everybody says that Hashem is our father, but it's actually in the Torah. Several times in the Torah it says that Hashem is our father. It says, Banim Hatem Hashem Elokeichem. You are the sons of Hashem, your God. That's one place. Okay, so that's nice. So maybe that's a cute little, oh yeah, you're the sons of Hashem, your God. But it's really a lot deeper than that. And I can show you that because we have in Parsha's Shemos, right at the beginning of when Hashem starts speaking to Moshe by the sneh, by the burning bush. So Hashem is preparing Moshe for his mission to go down to Mitzrayim and to bring out Klal Yisrael. And one of the things he says is al paro, you shall say to Paro, Ko amar Hashem, so says Hashem, b'ni b'chori Yisrael. My son, my firstborn, is Yisrael. V'omar elecha shalach es b'ni, v'yavdeni v'atima'in l'shalcho, hini anochi horeg es b'ncha b'chorecha. What is Hashem saying? So I say to you, send out my son, that he may serve me, but you have refused to send him out, behold, I shall kill your firstborn son. What's Hashem saying? Shem is saying, okay, why firstborn son as opposed to just son? But focusing on the son part, Hashem is saying, Kali Yisrael is my child. And if you don't let out my child, then I'm going to take, I'm going to kill your children, your firstborn children. And it's like a mida kenega mida. Shem is saying, like, my children are suffering in Mitzrayim and I can't bear the pain. I mean, the best analogy that we can give for the love that Hashem has for us is a father to a child, but it doesn't even scratch the surface for how much he really does love us. It's just the best analogy. But we can't even fathom the love that Hashem has for us. It's, it's, a, it's an unbelievable amount of love that he has for us. So you can only imagine that when we're suffering, the amount of suffering that he's experiencing, and he's telling Moshe, tell Paro, I am suffering with, while you guys, Hashem is suffering because we're suffering in Mitzrayim, and it's a pain that he, could, he can't bear. And he's telling Moshe, tell Paro that if they don't take out my firstborn son, then they're going to understand and they're going to see for themselves what it means to have pain and suffering for their own children. So it's a real midah that Hashem is trying to show them. And we have another Pasuk later on in, in, uh, in Sefer Devarim, which we mentioned in a, a previous year, this Pasuk, which one of my favorite Pasukim in the Torah, that you'd think you'd find in like a, a Musr Sefer. But the Pasuk says, V'yadata im levavecha ki kasher ish yasser esbeno, kein Hashem elokecha miyasrecha. You shall know in your heart that the same way that a father chastises and hurts his child, so too Hashem elokecha miyasrecha. What's that saying? That's saying 
that all the pain and suffering that we endure in, in our lives, all the pain and suffering that Kali Yisrael has endured throughout the generations is all a father hurting a child. And we know that anytime a father hurts a child, it's obviously for their good. And just one example, millions of examples you could give is that if you see a child and the child is just, and the father, the father is there and he sees his child, he starts to, he goes over to like a bowl of M&Ms and he just starts eating the M&Ms. So after like three, four, five, okay, fine, that's fine. And then after like seven, eight, nine, ten, Mike and Ike's, then the father goes over and just pulls the kid away. Now from the perspective of the kid, it's, it's what are you doing? You're crazy. Like, how could you possibly take me away? Like, this is evil. Like, how are you taking away from this enjoyment? But obviously, if you're a parent, then you know that the child needs to, that this is the best for the child, not to keep eating the treats and the candy because it's going to hurt the child. And in the Saber Das Sunos by the, by the Ramchal, he says that the source of all pain and suffering in this world is love, which is really this idea that we we're just talking about, which is that if a father really loves his child, then he's only want, going to want to do what's best for his child. And a, a lot of times what's best for the child is not necessarily what um, is not necessarily going to be the most smooth and um, easy, fun experience. A lot of times the, the best way to uh, help a person grow is through those experiences. And that's really tests. Tests are really, they're not easy and they're, but they're opportunities for growth and opportunities for us to get as close to Hashem as we possibly can. And just to really, just to end off with this one thing I heard from Rishagi Kalis um, <clears throat> about Hashem being our father and really Rosh Hashanah being the uh, Yom Adin, we know that Hashem is not just our father, he's also our king. And the Hanhaga of a father is very different than the Hanhaga of a king. The king is obviously a, a lot more official and it could, seem, it could seem a little bit scary for us to be standing in Rosh Hashanah and to be being judged by a king. So Rishai Kalis said that the, the, one of the Belzarebas, I'm not sure exactly which one, but he said that there was a Belzareb and he was very poor and he wasn't able to afford to send his child to school. So he ended up having to teach him himself. So every morning he would teach him. And this is the old days. So hitting was, uh, was, uh, a, lot more, was a lot more accepted. And so he, any single time his son would misbehave, so his father would give him a little hit. And... This would happen, whatever every day, every other day. If the child, if his child wasn't behaving, he would just give him a little hit, a little potch to get him to pay attention. But at night, he would tuck him in and he would kiss him and it would be all loving. And so after this happened for a little while, the son at night, after the father gave him a kiss right before he fell asleep, the the son, the Belzareb's son, asked his father, like, like Tati, like, who are you, like? In the morning, who are you? And Zabel's Rebbe said, I'm your Rebbe. And he said, and right now, who are you at night? He said, I'm your Tati, I'm your father. So the Bel's Rebbe's son said, okay, can you please tell the Rebbe to stop patching me? So this is really just an amazing idea because it's literally our relationship with Hashem. Hashem is our father. And at the same time, he is our king. And we can actually ask our father, who is Hashem, to tell Hashem himself, who's going to be judging us, to please have mercy and have rachamim on the day of judgment and Tshuva, to give us a, a Tshuva Shalema and a Yom Kippur to give us a real Slicha Mechila 
And we should really, hopefully this will give us a little bit of a springboard to try to do more preparation and to try to really tap in and focus on what these days are all about. A lot of, a lot of us get a little bit scared about slichos and, and oh my gosh, slichos and that, that feeling of like, oh, I can't wait for it to be over with because, and the long davening and stuff like that. But it's only because we're just not focused and, and tapped in and we're just too focused on our own lives. The more we prepare, the more we get a proper frame of mind for during these days, the more excited we'll be about Slichos, the more excited we'll be about growing and getting close to Hashem. And Mir Hashem, um, we should all really take the opportunity of this time period to really um, prepare as much as we possibly can and, um, and take advantage, really take advantage of these moments. And thank you very much for listening.